so there's like multiple times like she like runs into him at the restaurant she like runs into him at a park does she have his fucking iphone location (laughs) shared Welcome to Sex in the Cinema, the podcast that strips down the celluloid to the real reason you watched that movie. Welcome back, cinephiles and perverts. I also realize I don't say my name when we do this podcast, so I'm Tori. I'm Maggie. And yeah. This is Sex in the Cinema. This is Sex in the Cinema. And today we are moving on to part two of our Full Frontal favorite series, a.k.a. the films that showcase full frontal male nudity, as in they show the dick. Lots of dick. Lots of dick. Um, okay. So we are covering Paul Schrader's 1980 I guess, blockbuster, I think, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. American Gigolo, starring Richard, Richard Gere. Gere. Yes, who my mom loves. Oh my God, my mom is obsessed with Moms Richard Gere. They love, just love Richard Gere. They really, really do. Like obsessed. I know. Let's yeah. Let's tackle that. Yeah. And then we are covering Shame, the 2011 drama directed by Steve McQueen. And then we are going to finish up with the, I always say masterpiece when it comes to our third film, but I, I still got to say the 1998 masterpiece. It's really good. Velvet Goldmine yeah. directed by Todd Haynes. Yeah, it's just so much fun. So, I mean, we're just talking about dicks here, so I don't have like an insightful question to ask you to mm-hmm. get us started because yeah. like this is just. We're just talking about. It's just about dicks. dicks. Do you want to just dig into American Gigolo? Gigolo. Um, I thought I was... It's Gigolo. Gigolo. (laughs) Okay, so, yes, as we said, American Gigolo uh, was directed by, oh, our friend Paul Schrader, Uh who also was the screenwriter for Taxi Driver. Yes. And my favorite film ever, The Last Temptation of Christ. Yes, your favorite film of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, also... This was 1980, right? Yes. Oh, okay. It's... And it looks very much like it doesn't feel like the 70s at all, which is one of very 80s. Yes, it was super which 80s. Is fun. Yeah, and it was kind of Miami Vice. Like I was here for the aesthetic. I was here yeah. for the set design. I was here for the clothes. Yes. That's really it. Yeah, yeah, it looked great. So speaking of Richard Gere, this is starring Richard Gere as Julian Kay, who is a male sex worker, and then also Lauren Hutton. Lauren Hutton. Who I love. Love Lauren Hutton, but I was also like, Richard Gere looks like he's like 25, and Lauren Hutton, she's like giving me 40 vibes. Well, I mean, isn't that kind of... I guess like, that's the vibe, right? Yeah, I yeah. think that's the vibe uh-huh. with him. But I love Lauren Hutton. She's fantastic. I love the gap in her teeth. For sure. Yeah. This was, I mean, I think it's pretty true that this was Richard Gere's breakout role. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. he. this is what made him huge. And, like, my mom, speaking of moms. So moms are just, like, masturbating. <laughs> my mom was always, like, Richard Gere was such a sex symbol. Yeah, like, my mom was obsessed with Richard Gere. Like, and had no shame about it. Like, she would be TMI all the time about Richard Gere. 
<laughs> so funny. Even in this movie, I'm like not, I'm not attracted to him. I'm not either, except for one part, which oh, we'll I'm going to talk about. Okay. Maggie, what? can you give us a plot summary, Shit, please? Shit, I, I need your phone. <laughs> Julian, a gigolo, commands high prices for his services. Living <laughs> a lavish and emotionally unattached lifestyle under the management of Anne while secretly working for Pemp Leon. Julian is assigned to service Mr. Ryman and his wife, Judy, but leaves when their violent requests make him nervous. When Miss Ryman is found dead and no one is willing to testify on his behalf, Julian finds himself the primary suspect <gasps> and that's where we get into the erotic thriller ish aspect of it yeah it was like sex crimes and shit yeah yeah also like that i i don't know why like when i was watching this movie i was like god yeah like watching these men from the 80s i was just like god yeah it's hard man i hate them it's hard man it's yeah, it, yeah but and i have thoughts about his character and Julian's like, it's just whatever. It's like, okay. I thought he was boring as fuck. But before we get into that, we got to talk about the score. Yeah. So this score was basically all based off of Blondie's Call Me. Oh, just different renditions. Just like different instrumental renditions. Cool. Except for Lauren Hutton and Richard Gere's fucking like actual sex scene. But um, yeah, I don't know if, I just know that the opening to this movie with that song was like super iconic. Like everything I've heard from my mom, you know, people talk about Saturday Night Fever mm -hmm. and how like John Travolta fucking burst onto the screen and he was just like something we'd never seen before. Yeah. When I watch Saturday Night Fever, I feel that yeah. viscerally. Like I have goosebumps again just talking about it. I did not feel that with this movie. No, and like also I just feel like that song made the fucking movie what it yeah. was. Like it's like that's all they needed was that song and like a very boring plot line and yeah. characters. Yeah. But it was like, and then it was, and then it, I don't know, and it was like, cool, because it's the 80s, and it's a male gigolo, and I could see how, like, at the time, it was, this was, like, rebellious. This might have been one of the first, or the first film that broke, like, that put the like idea could, of a male sex worker yeah, like into you the mainstream. Yeah, like, you see where it would be, like, as something, like, that is aspirational. Innovative, or whatever, yeah. Right, exactly. Okay, so, like, let's just talk about his character a little bit. To me, he seems like he has a chip on his shoulder, a little bit. Not just because he's trying to negotiate well, I would his too, rate, but he's, His like, rate was shitty. yeah. The one thing that I thought was kind of cute about his character is how he actually seems to, like, have genuine friendships with, like, the old ladies that are his Like, he's like, clients. I like, I care yeah. about my clients. Yeah, and he's like, I like hanging Which out with these a good sex women. worker should. Right, you know and I, I mean? thought that was cute. Like, yeah. uh, he, like, pals around with them a bit. That was the only time he seemed, like, fun. But, yeah, dude, like, his character, like, I kept trying to empathize with him, mm -hmm. and I couldn't find it yeah like I couldn't find it which brings me to his dynamic with Michelle aka Lauren Hutton's mm -hmm. character okay so Lauren Hutton's character is just like she's just thirsty as fuck she's horny she's she's I was gonna say she is desperate with a capital D but I don't want to shame her but no I don't think she's desperate I think she's just like she's a like rich 
She's Politician's a wife, wife of a senator. Yeah. And she likes to party and like flirt with young men. I feel like that's the I vibe. I think she's looking for an emotional connection, which is the whole tension between their relationship. Well, yeah, she does look for an emotional You're right. Yeah. But I just felt, I just feel like their whole character development, which is wasn't I agree. Okay, strong so for me. That was a huge thing with me about this movie. So like they have this romance. He sees her across the room at this restaurant. He's like, ooh, this like is like. Like they have this like instant attraction. Yes. And it just felt cold and tepid to me. I thought their romance was so underdeveloped. I have no I like I did not by that she was in love with him at all. I don't think they had chemistry. I don't think they did either. I don't know. Maybe both the characters seemed really underdeveloped. To me, Mm -hmm. all we know is that, like, he's, like, a sex male sex worker with a chip on his shoulder, and she's, like, a super lonely, unhappy wife of a senator. And she pursues him fucking hard. Some Aries Venus shit. She fucking goes like well, okay. like she knows what she likes she knows she wants him she also she knows, knows where he there's is freaky because when that scene came out i was like how does she fucking know that how does she know where he is so there's like multiple times like she like runs into him at the restaurant she like runs into him at She's, a like, park does she have his fucking iphone location <laughs> shared like what the fuck She's just like, hi. I know. And it's like, there's no comment about it. Like, how do you know he's here? I don't know. I didn't buy it. And she seems a little crazy. But, okay. So basically what happens is Lauren Hutton keeps fucking pursuing him. She's basically like, I have money. I have money. She keeps pursuing him. And he is so withholding which is, I'm like, why? Like, why are you putting yourself through this? Because it's like they like each other. No, they don't. But they don't There's even know no each fucking other. Evidence. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's so weird. It's so underdeveloped. Julian doesn't, he seems boring as fuck. Like, does this man ever laugh? Yeah. That's why I was like, him and Lauren Hutton, they never really laugh together. Like, they don't seem to connect. And it, they're like in love with each other. It's so fucking like, stupid. It. Right. He's not buying it. Right. Ridiculous. But okay. So let's, I mean. Let's talk about the reason why we're here, the full frontal. Yeah. Okay. So this movie does deliver. I will say this. And I do think it's a bold route, like a a pretty bold move for Richard Gere Uh to have made. Kim and Lauren Hutton are in bed and he like wakes up and he's in like this boring kind of like monochrome LA Miami Vice-ish apartment And he goes to the window. This is, like, in the morning and opens his shutters. And he's just, like, standing by the window, bare-ass naked. We see butt and, like, full D. Like, full dick. And as he's standing there, he's talking about how one time he was talking about a past client who was this woman who was, like, someone's mom And she hadn't had an orgasm for 10 years, and it took him three hours to get her off. This makes me terrified of menopause. No, I also think that was just such a stupid thing to say. Do you think that's true? That's true at all. I fucking hope not. I feel like that was very, like, stereotypical. And also, I felt like the way that he was 
saying, like, it went from, like, older women to, like, teenage girls. And I'm like, why are we talking about teenage girls? Like, you shouldn't even be having sex with teenage girls. It's gross. Where is this fucking conversation going? And, like, why was this even put in? Like, it's, like, a normal thing to think about. And I was like, this is so fucked. Yes. I don't know. Well, anyway, that part was upsetting for me. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Yeah, we did not like like, it. This is stupid. Okay, so basically, Lauren Hutton, like, keeps push, push, pushing, and he He's like, uh, like he's, I, dude. I just his character sucks. Everything about him yeah, is he's like, like he's like I'm stale Pepperidge Farm white bread. I'm unhealed, which is like whatever. And then he's like, I can't. I don't know how to love. And I'm just like, there's no. I'm not even. I'm not even into I'm it. Not I'm not even, even into his withholding. I don't even care. Like, I just I wanted to see you standing at the window with your dick. Exactly. Yeah. Let's Wendy. get into this main sex scene yeah. with fucking Richard Gere and Lauren Hutton. Okay, this was the least sexy thing I have ever seen in my life. I was fucking laughing. <laughs> so they're like in bed, and it's like supposed to be kind of artsy. They're, like, caressing. You see, like, kind of, like, limbs, not their faces. They're, like, caressing. They look like they are two improv actors in a scene pretending to be in slow motion. It was so not sexy. Also, what the fuck was that music? It wasn't Blondie for once. What was that? I don't know. It was just weird. What did you think? It wasn't doing it for me. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, I was like, this feels like a joke. Like, how are people into this? It is awkward as shit. We do see Lauren Hutton's boobs. Very nice. Gorgeous. But, dude, like, no thank you. Yeah, and, like, that was the last sex scene. Yeah. I mean, like, it was all murder mystery. Which, again, I I did not care about. So there's, yeah, there's, like... This whole thing where Julian's like, I'm being framed. And then there's like this whole thing. It's like, you stole jewels. And I did not care. I just don't care. So anyway, let's just cut to the end of this movie. Julian gets quote unquote framed. Well, what he does, he fucks himself over eventually. Because he didn't kill that woman, obviously. But he kills Leon his, his on accident. other pit was that on accident he pushes him because he's mad i don't think he, he was, yeah he like drives he's think like you're trying to kill someone you're trying to save them at the same time right yeah, yeah yeah so he's like him and leon get in like a fight because he's like i don't want to do gay stuff or kink and leon's like you ask me out for help man like she's just you need to do my tricks and I don't even understand, like, why it escalates to, to this point. But Julian's, like, holding Leon, like, he's, like, dangling him off the balcony of some his apartment as, like, a threat. Let go. And then he accidentally drops him. And he fucks himself over. So he goes to jail. Mm-hmm. And then Lauren Hutton, like, goes to see him in jail. And he's like, you shouldn't come see me anymore. And she's like, I'd die if I never saw you. And then she, like buys his legal team or whatever and the movie ends on an ambiguous note where like she's going to see him they're talking through the phones of the prison yeah and she puts her hand through the glass and then he leans against her head and he's like where have you been all my life and it's like supposed to be moving i mean it kind of is like how it's almost like she's touching him and i know that scene is also iconic Mm -hmm. and then it ends and it's like we don't know if he gets out of jail or not i just i don't care yeah I don't care. But at I all. guess like it was a huge hit because it was it, huge. It was huge. Like people loved it. They Look were at all the moms. It. Exactly. It was like feeding some sort of soul to to women. I was just like left so lukewarm by this movie. It really yeah. Ugh. 
Paul Schrader, you did not deliver this time. But I think we also might be in the minority. Maybe it's a sign of the times where this. That's just what seems I think really it was. I felt like it was like yeah. very like eighties. Yeah, that's it. Those I mean, Blondie, best part of this movie. That's it. All right. Well, that's our. Do you have any other final fucking thoughts about this very no. tepid? Movie, which honestly left me with nothing. No, I just want to open up a gelato shop now, but then I want to call it Gigalo. And just have you are going the... not. You are not going to be able to open. Why? With that name, the... we'll see. Okay, good luck on that. I am not doing your PR. <laughs> Gigalo gelato. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Shame, a much better movie. In my this opinion. movie is so good. It is a fucking fantastic it's movie. It's so be- beautiful. Yeah. So this was directed by Steve McQueen, who also did 12 Years a Slave a couple years later, and uh, was made in 2011, and this is starring Michael Fassbender and Carey Mulligan. Interestingly enough, I actually went to see this movie in the theaters oh, wow. with my girlfriend and my two guy friends, and I think I was sitting between my two guy friends while we were seeing this and uh yeah that, that, i think we were all kind of like <laughs> like this is okay. why i don't know if i i this is like one of those movies i'm glad i watched at home in my bed alone it's like i'm they tackle like very uncomfortable yeah lines but um maggie may we have a plot summary sure. please successful and handsome new yorker brandon seems to live an ordinary life but he hides a terrible secret behind his mask of normalcy. Surprise. Brandon is a sex addict. His constant need for gratification numbs him to just about everything else. But when Sissy, Brandon's needy, anxious attachment sister... Yeah, for fucking real, man. ...unexpectedly blows into town, crashes at his apartment, and invades his privacy, Brandon is finally forced to confront his addiction head on. Nice. So yeah, I mean, this, and I love that they said mask in the plot summary because, okay, so like when you first see Brandon in the first shot of the movie and he's lying in bed, he's got his eyes open. He doesn't blink and it almost seems like he's dead. Mm-hmm. You so know, like he looks like he's dead and it's because this character is so consumed and eaten up by his addiction that there's not much left inside of him yeah i mean this movie gets very deep it really gets deep and and you know i think that is the whole the whole part of like this is a movie about someone struggling with sex addiction and it really shows like how real like you know sex addiction sex addiction is as real as heroin addiction it's as real as alcohol it's an addiction it's like a very it is devastating like this man's life is fucking devastating and he kind of walks around with like this it's not like a death mask on it he's an extremely handsome man and like he he is vibrant in my opinion uh, more so than Richard Gere's character mm-hmm. like they do feel a little bit he, similar in you just ways. have more like empathy, empathy for him because yes. it's like you can tell that he's like really struggling between these two versions of himself yeah and like he is like i honestly think he's a smoother operator than richard gear like he michael fassbender is so good 
at what he does, like, in order to get his fix. Yeah, because he's a fucking addict. He is he a fucking addict, he but he is to... fucking sharp as yeah. hell with women. Like, women literally, like, he radiates, and yeah. women just, he's got the moves. Like, let's mm-hmm. just put it that way, he's got the moves. Just in general, like, with addiction, it's like you're you're doing something that is acting of a service for you, that is providing you with something that you need in order to survive. Right. And whether it's drugs, alcohol, heroin, or whatever, and like in his case, it's sex. Anyone that has addiction issues is trying to patch up something bigger. Mm-hmm. And I just think like the way that this film reached that with not even having like that much fucking dialogue about it and just oh absolutely like it was fucking genius yeah and so moving yeah and you're just like seeing all it's like really good on like perspective of seeing him and like what he's going through and how that feels and like we get to know him yeah for a character who's so closed off that veil is completely taken yeah, away and the just... audience gets to see at first we see him in the more glamorous aspects of you know his addiction when you he's fucking beautiful women he's in control mm-hmm. everyone wants him these women are just coming to him but then we see the compulsion more so so like when he's at work, his computer gets taken away because oh, of a quote-unquote virus because mm-hmm. he has so much fucking porn on his work computer and he immediately goes to the bathroom and masturbates mm-hmm. at work. Like, it is a complete compulsion for him. It's a relief thing. Yeah. And that's, you know, we, we get into those aspects of that. We see that. Mm-hmm. And um, let's talk about the, the full frontal Whoa, Fassbender, you packing, motherfucker. Like, holy shit. I would be showing it off, too. Holy shit. Okay, so we see it's early in the movie, and we basically just see Brandon walking around his apartment. He's, like, getting ready for work in the morning, and... We see him, you know, see his ass. We see him go to the bathroom. We see him pee. His dick is so big that we can see see the tip of it between his legs. And then he, like, walks back through the room and the camera gets full frontal and it's just like, blah, 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 blah. It's just, like, flopping (laughs) around. That's a big old honker. Like, whoa. That is, like, one of the bigger dicks. And he does have big dick energy. He does. He's very calm. He does. But like... he, he does. That's his other thing. His his approach, unlike his boss, who's very like, you know, sort of broy and like Brandon's mm-hmm. approach is quiet. You know, he mm-hmm. waits for the right moment, and he can read yeah. women very well, very very well. Yeah. So yeah, full frontal is generous, and America slash the world got to meet. Uh, Be very intimate with him. Got to be very intimate with him and, and also got to meet one of the bigger dicks in Hollywood oh, that yeah. we know of. So congratulations on your biology, Fassbender. Yeah. Okay, so like I said, I saw this in 2011. So like this movie has been, in, you know, it was a big movie for me when I was in my 20s. And I remember I was nannying at the time. And like when I look back at myself in my 20s, like I had so much less self-awareness. Like I was just kind of like blah, blah, blah. so I was in for a nanny interview and I was just immediately being probably too personable with a mother it was for her like six month old son and we were just talking and we were I, we were talking about movies and I was like oh I just saw shame recently and I was like Michael Fassbender has a huge dick and she was like don't say that in front of him <laughs> safe to say I did not get the job yeah 
So I get, you live and you learn. Baby's first word's going to be dick now because of you. Because of, he's fucking six <laughs> months old. Whatever. Was it just me? Or was there some sane, insane sens- like sexual tension between him and his sister? Yes. Okay. So that is the next thing that I have. Sissy. Okay. So Carrie Mulligan, she is his slightly younger sister. She's very like art. She's an artist. She's I have, very self-sabotaging. She looks like the way I dressed in my 20s. <laughs> she's very just like laissez-faire like artist. Yes. Tortured soul. Yes. Vibes all yes. the way. She's just a very sad girl who doesn't have a lot of agency. Mm-hmm. And so when we first meet Sissy his sister, played by Carrie Mulligan, he walks into his apartment and there's, like, music blasting. So she immediately, like, goes straight into his space and invades and makes herself at home. The, there's, the shower is on in the bathroom. He walks in, pulls back the curtain. Yeah, she has, like, no boundaries. She Exactly. So she is, like, fucking naked. We see Carrie Mulligan, boobs, bush, all of it. Mm. And... He, like, throws her a towel, and she throws it back at him so he can see her naked. I can't even conceive of acting that way with my brother. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even want to talk about it. Like, it's so bizarre and twisted. And then there's that scene where she, like, tries to cuddle with him in bed, remember? And, like, she kind of tries to cuddle too intimately, it seems. And he, like, kicks her out. And she scurries away like a little rat. They obviously had a very traumatic past, like, yes. like they life said together. They came from very, bad people. Very traumatic. But we're And this not is bad. a definition of how trauma either turns you into an avoidant type of person, which yeah. is his character, or, like, the opposite, which is her. anxious attachment, which yeah. is hers. And also, when you are in, like, some sort of trauma bond, even if it is with, like, a brother or sister or whatever, you, like, are, like literally bonded to each other and it's unhealthy and it is like an addiction too and then it's just like maybe why he is a sex addict because he can never really the one woman that he's intimate with is like his sister like they're intimate you know what i mean like they've been that either of them were sexually abused slash they ever had because of that they ever had incestuous relationships. I think that they may have had an incestuous relationship. I think so too. I think that's what the main trauma is. Yeah, I think so too. But that but, but all they have is each other because all they had was each other, yeah. and then they formed this really bond and like or whatever in like a fucked up way yeah and there's like that scene where they're like cuddling on the couch and like watching like kitty oh, cartoons it's very, like, you can... and then he like but he always tells her to fuck off he always tells her like he tries to put that boundary down he really really tries yeah, and, and i think it's because there was a time where it wasn't there right and maybe yeah it's it is it is very interesting but there's definitely like y'all no fucking boundaries her she has zero boundaries. Like, she is so inappropriate with him and just a sad person. So she ends up, speaking of her just having little agency and kind of clinging to whatever man will pay attention to her, him and his boss go out for drinks and they go to this nightclub where she's singing and she does kind of like a meek rendition of New York, New York. She does a good job. She's a- good job she, she does a good job but that song is usually so brassy the way it's done where it's like i want a king of yeah i think hill. the way that it was conducted so was so good meek though mm-hmm. which almost speaks to me of like 
sexual trauma. It's almost maybe an echo of that, mm-hmm. how she, there's this meekness with her. So she immediately fucks his boss in Brandon's bedroom at mm-hmm. his house. So, like, it's not even just, like, physical boundaries. It's just, like, she is, uh, like, a tornado. Yeah, and she's obviously someone that has been through a lot of trauma who is, like, unhealed and who has, like, probably had a lot of, like, sexual stuff happen to her. Right. Because that's how she's acting. And I think he was furious about that. One, because he hates his boss. His boss is married. His boss is a two-timing asshole who is just opportunist. And I do remember when after she sings and comes to sit down at their table and his boss is, like, all up in her action, he calls her a fascinating creature. Mm-hmm. A creature. So it just goes to show how he's objectifying women mm-hmm. and considers them disposable. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, Brandon, who I don't think he necessarily objectifies Absolutely. women. In that way. Well, he does more so of as a means to an end for his addiction. I That's think he has more respect, but as for the boss, the boss is more misogynist. Well, the boss is being misogynist because he's getting, he's seeking, he's insecure and he's seeking validation from having a young chick fuck him because his wife probably doesn't want to because he's annoying as fuck. Right. So I do want to talk about, we do, speaking of like, compared to American Gigolo, where we got some insight into this character, which I think did it a lot better in shame. So there is that woman at work Mm -hmm. who he has... I mean, it's pretty obvious he has a legit crush on her. Mm -hmm. He's been fantasizing about her, and they go out on a date. Yes. And she's real. She tells it like it is. Like, she kind of, she, like, teases him a little bit. Yeah, like, she's, like, opening him up. Yes, and they, he, you can tell he genuinely like, has feelings mm-hmm. for this woman. Unlike any other woman we've seen him interact yeah. with, which was just a means He feels, to like, end. safe around her, I feel like. Well, I, I think he just enjoys her. Like, mm-hmm. he likes her. He's attracted to her. Like, yeah. I think the thing about her character is this is someone he could be in love with. Mm-hmm. And so they go on a date. They have fun. They joke around. You know, yeah, like, they have like, chemistry. It's yeah. cute, you know? And he, like, doesn't kiss her goodnight. He's, like, very gentlemanly. And he's like, we should do this again. And she's like, oh, maybe, you know, kind of, like, keeps him wanting more. And then he kisses her at work. Mm-hmm. And he gets, like, some sick fucking hotel room. Before they go to their hotel downtown. room, mm-hmm. we forget about this because this is, like, a big part of, like, why he can't, Mm -hmm. he, he addresses his addiction because his sister sees him masturbating, and then they get into this very Right, she's like, don't talk to me about sex life. he throws her on the couch, and he gets, like, Oh, yeah, and he's in a towel naked! aggression towards her. Yes. And it was just, like, he just gets triggered and is like, oh, I just don't want to be this version of myself anymore. And then, like, just wants to quick fix it and if anyone knows with addiction if you if you go about your addiction we're just like I'm just not gonna do it anymore and you throw everything away it's like you're more likely to relapse because it's like a brain like you know what I mean Mm -hmm. but it's like he just kind of has this moment where he's like I'm done I'm done gets rid of his computer all of his porn and then he's like now in his head I'm so cute thinking as being an addict that he can just go and like right start this new life that he wants to start and be this new version of himself that he wants to be but it's just so much more fucking complicated than that like it is in life in general and especially if you're dealing with an addiction let alone a sexual addiction and that scene just made me so 
Like, I cried. Yeah. I, it was just so sad because it's like he he wants this thing so bad for himself and then his subconscious mind has just been programmed a certain way and it's just heartbreaking to like see that like he's it's a just, really tragic character yeah like and I it's very feel, human i, I think it's feel so, bad for richard that's Deere why i like the movie too i feel like it was just so, so human. human it's yeah. like this is like the human like i feel a lot for brandon i didn't feel shit for julian julian was like he was like a cut out cardboard no, julian was yeah he was like paper mache yeah like, absolutely <laughs> absolutely like, but like yeah so like that scene for me like that sex scene where it was going to be intimate because they have yes. established a connection yes and he just couldn't, he couldn't get it do uh, it and it was fucking hot man like they were yeah, uh, also i thought it was interesting like, that he beautiful. did it well he did a line of coke in the bathroom and then I, uh, exactly. before he went and i'm like isn't that not gonna help things like, man like it. yeah it's like what is going on don't we know about coke dick everyone yeah. but anyway he yeah so he and this woman they start to you know have this you know get going and it's like intimate it's intimate it's yes. not like it's, dirty it's, porn no, or like it's, objectifying it's like we're connecting it's intimate and it's it's really sexy and mm-hmm. like we see her she's beautiful the actress is nicole bihari who mm-hmm. was in miss Juneteenth. so she's so Beautiful. She's great. I love her. I can't wait to see what she does next. Um, But yeah, he can't get it up and it's kind of like awkward and she's real, man. Like she's real as fuck. She's, I love that about her She's not devastated. She's like, well, okay. And she's like not like taking it too personally and she's just like, this is his problem. Yeah. And like walks out. Yeah. I just like, it just like her, I mean her character's not like huge in this movie, but I just like her character a Mm -hmm. lot. I love her character too, and she's an important. She's almost an, an important, important foil, yeah, yeah, to him. Um, so yeah, that doesn't work out, and he's kind of like, "Do you want me to walk you down?" And she's like, "No, that's okay." And it and it ends. And so then he, and then he he hits, hits a fucking hooker. Yes. Then he yes hires a sex worker and bangs her like, against relapses the window. Like hardcore. Yes, absolutely relapses, and then he Goes hits rock. He goes on a he hard goes on relapse. A binge. So, the, so he goes to like some like kind of sports bar place and immediately sees this woman who he can detect interest from. Yeah, and he just kind of waltzes up to her and immediately comes on to her and he's like, "I want to taste you. I want to slip my tongue inside of you as you come." And I'm just like. Oh, fuck. You know what's so weird? Like, in general, that... If someone came up to me at the bar and realized exactly. and said that to me, if, I'd be, like, in, calling the in police. In general, well, if he was hot and someone said that to me, I would be like... Who do you think you are? But... No, I wouldn't. I would be like, that's really hot. And then, like, Loki turns me on. It would depend on the approach, I guess. But as me watching this character and knowing what he's going through, I find it so fucking sad oh like, it was really it's so really, sad really, really like sad. i'm just like this isn't even like a turn on this is seeing him like this is just like so it just made me feel like out of my skin like just despair and like sadness and like oh this is just hard it's hard to watch someone go through that yeah so what happens is he ends up coming out of this chick turns out she is a husband brandon gets fucking beat up 
at the bar. He's being really self-destructive. Oh, then so self-destructive. He goes to, like, an underground gay, gay And then I was like, is like, this... Like, funhouse? Yeah, and then I was like, is this going to turn into, like... Like, he's closeted? Sexual? Yeah, and then no. I thought, and then I was like, no, there's no, no fucking way. Not. This is he's, just, like, no. sex addiction shit. He's getting it where he can find it, and he, like, that dude, like, like shoves him up against the wall. Bender. They have, they make out, like, that's a hot kiss, and then the guy starts blowing him. And that's all, it's like. And then, after that, we're gonna get to the next sex scene, I where mean, he's having, what, is that a threesome, a threesome or a foursome? Threesome, and normally, these type of scenes, I'm not kidding, like, turn me on. I feel like I was way, so turned on. I was not. I was oh, so man. sad. Dude, he's like, well, it is sad, but he's like sucking on like nipple like, sucking. He is eating ass, he man. He ate ass. Well, it was hot, but then I like near the end, I was like, this is just so sad. Like when it's, when they film the close up. Yeah. Steve McQueen films the close up and you just see that he is just a fucking shell of a person. Yeah. It's just so fucking heartbreaking. And I was just like this. I'm like crying. I was like was literally like sobbing. Like I was like this is so fucking sad. I just think addiction is just such a big thing in like people's lives and sex addiction. And it's just so fucking upsetting. Yeah. That was what struck me the most. Like the and- scene was super sexy and I was like oh all this is happening. And I was also like kind of drunk when I rewatched this mm-hmm. movie because I had gone to your bar and had many drinks. <laughs> um, but, but And then at first you're like, oh, yeah, this is hot. But then when you start to see, like, yeah, the his grittiness. Yeah, his face, he's like, gone, man. That he is just heartbreaking. He, it, again, it's that mask. It's, like, sort of that death mask, sort of, where yeah, he just looks like, like a dead corpse. inside. Yeah. Absolutely. So when he goes on that bitch night, Sissy has been, like, trying to call him, like, the whole Who time. Who has, Sissy has obviously been mentally unstable the oh, whole Oh, 100%. Because this girl is bringing an entire so much trauma and abuse that it's not even said but shown you know what i mean oh Just absolutely by her behavior she is bringing the entire department store luggage section with her oh, that absolutely. is the amount of baggage yeah. that she has so she's been calling him and calling him and he's like i don't blame him like he's fucking fed up it's like i'm trying to manage my life and like you are just blowing and as a younger sibling i have been guilty of this not in the way that she is oh, but like it's just sort of like that no, younger no, sibling energy like that you know yeah. and it's just like i'm at mom and dad's house sort of like i can leave shit out i can yeah. you know again not even remotely close to that but she I don't blame him for well, being... And I, I mean, he said some really fucked up shit to her. He did. And I think it, like, sent her on a spiral. And uh, it well, led her obviously. to where she ends up, which is, like, trying to kill herself. Yeah, so she... It turns out that Trigger she... Trigger warning. Yeah, yes. It turns out Trigger that warning. she slit her wrists in the bathroom while he was going on his bender. He freaks the fuck out because this is his sister, who he loves, who's the only person he has in the world. Mm -hmm. He takes her to the hospital. We see her in the hospital room in bed recovering. And then he just, like, runs out into the rain and collapses. Like, that's another thing about his character. He's always kind of running away from his problems. Like, when Sissy's fucking the boss, he goes on a run. He's going for a run. And then it's just, like, he just... Gets his beautiful scene where it's like, you can't run anymore, dog. It's yeah. here. Yeah. It's here. It's hitting you. You're going to have to process it. You're going to have to break it down. And you're going to have to, like, release and, like, fall. Yeah. And, like, build yourself back up. You know what yeah. I mean? And it was just so fucking beautiful. I'm just, again, sobbing, crying my eyes out. Just, like, so relatable. So just, like, putting anything like just like the struggle 
wanting to change, not knowing how, finally, like, having something really shitty happen to you to trigger it, which sucks, which sucks that that has to happen to a lot of people, but it's, like, that's part of, like, the math of, like, you know, having an awakening and, like, rebranding yourself or whatever, but, like, it was just so good. It's a great movie. Nice works. I mean, Steve McQueen is a, a great filmmaker and, like... Yeah, that's why I'm, like, seeing that in a theater, I don't know. I would feel weird. I wouldn't know if I could, like, talk to anybody for a while. I it was over ten years ago at this point, but I I don't know. I remember I was, like, stoned as shit when we went to go see <laughs> oh, that. Like, and I missed, like, the scene where he went running... Uh, when Carrie Mulligan was fucking the boss because I went to go get more Parmesan cheese powder <laughs> to put on my popcorn and my friend Andrew was like, you missed the best part. It's <laughs> like, oh no. But oh, um, also, okay, so do you think shame, the title, is based on like his sexual addiction or like their like low-key sexual relationship? I think it's all-encompassing. Right? Like, I, think all I think it's all-encompassing. It's all yeah. yeah, I think it's just the whole theme of this yeah. is shame and and shame, like also like what that does to a person oh my god shame is it's so destructive and it's so human and it is don't even go oh, oh god i could yeah. go on about that but. and like understandable in like a humanistic way as to like why people don't want to deal with some shit and why people don't want to go to therapy or deal with their or shit why people would ashamed. rather drink like 12 beers of miller light than like actually deal with like how they treated somebody <clears throat> yeah okay any final thoughts about shame i love it i think it's it's a great movie i would say there is a high trigger warning in that film yeah anyone who's dealt with like suicide or sexual abuse sexual abuse addiction it it, you are going into a really like deep unearthing of like human psychology and heart and soul yeah but you do have some very beautiful scenes you get to see Michael Fassbender's beautiful body. Yeah, Dick is one and for the, the sex. The, wow. se- the way the f- sex scenes are filmed are like pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it's 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 great. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about Velvet Goldmine. Oh, yeah. okay. So this was made in 1998, directed by the wonderful Todd Haynes, who did Carol and a bunch of other wonderful movies. He has this really, he um, does a lot of his movies through a queer lens, um, and he's just an incredible filmmaker, and I, I love Todd Haynes. I think he's fantastic. So this movie is super star-studded, studded to the point where there are three studs I would say three primo studs in this movie. So we have Jonathan Reese Myers, Ewan McGregor, Christian Bale, and one of my favorite actresses, Toni Collette. Also, we get a kind of a cameo by Eddie Izzard. Oh my god, we do. Yeah, he plays their manager. Yeah. Well, before we dig into this fucking gold mine of cinema, so good. May we have a plot summary, please? Yes. Glam rock star Brian Slade plays a character on stage named Maxwell Demon, who predicts his death on stage. Shortly after he announces his prediction, he fakes his own death and is exposed as a fraud. A decade later, in 1984, a reporter and former fan, Arthur Stewart, tracks down the former rocker to do an article on his life and downfall. 
Yeah, no, let's give some better context than that it's plot like, summary. All right, guys. So this is basically, I have a feeling that Todd Haynes, like, I have a feeling that, like, Bowie and the glam rock movement was super huge for him growing up, probably really influential. This is sort of a fairy tale-ish fantasy. interpretation fantasy of David Bowie and, and Iggy the, Pop. Yes, and Iggy Pop. And, like, so, like, the Brian Slade character that Jonathan Reese Myers plays is, like, the Bowie. He has the character Maxwell D which is like Ziggy Stardust. Uh-huh. His look is very, very Bowie. He's 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 the Bowie he's proxy. Bowie. Yeah. Whereas Ewan McGregor plays Kurt Wilde, who is the Iggy Pop proxy. Yes. He, and he, he's kind of like a Kurt Wilde, like an Iggy Kurt slash Cobain. Kurt Cobain yeah, type character. And then there's this character named Dr- Jack Ferry, who I'm not exactly sure who is proxy. Like maybe Brian Eno or something. Like Brian Eno vibes for sure, because Brian Eno was very like androgynous. Mm-hmm. and like did his thing but um yeah i could see that and they did play brian Eno songs. oh yeah i mean too. we got to talk about this tra- the soundtrack because i mean this movie was huge for it's me so much when i first saw it in high school it's it is like so going much going on a cool ride yes the music is unreal dude we've got like t-rex roxy music they have an original music if you haven't seen it you need to see it the this soundtrack, is like a mm-hmm. this whole movie is kind of a fever dream so our three main characters are Yes, Jonathan Reese Myers, who is our Bowie, Kurt Wilde, who's the Iggy Pop, and then there is Christian Bale, who this is sort of being told through his eyes and his story. Mm -hmm. So he was kind of this young, closeted, queer kid Mm -hmm. who was growing up around that glam rock movement and started seeing himself in it, and it became part of his sexual awakening. Yes, and then he... Uh, Arthur Stewart is his name. He ends up being the journalist that Maggie mentioned in the plot summary. So I guess, well, there is one scene I want to talk about before we get to my, well, kind of my favorite part about this movie, honestly. I'll be completely transparent. She literally sent me so many videos. I did send her videos. (gasps) I know. (laughs) So let's just start with Brian's story. So Brian, he grew up sort of in the show bit, like sort of the vaudeville world where he accidentally saw one of the performers servicing, giving a blowjob to another, like two men. And after he sees that, something clicks in him where he embraces himself. And then he goes on stage and he's like, great. Okay, so then they cut to Jonathan Reese Myers as like a young man. So I love this scene. It's set to Gary Glitter's Do You Want to Touch Me? Mm-hmm. Um, Gary Glitter has his own problematic shit, but I do enjoy the song. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Reese Myers, their character is there just sort of uh, smoking a cigarette and these schoolboys walk by. One of the schoolboys is carrying a pocket watch and somehow, you know, he kind of like looks at Jonathan or he kind of looks at Brian Slade and Brian looks at him and it's almost like that cruising mentality and then it cuts to the boy face down on the bed with his pants down and his ass out brian is loosening his tie and he's holding the pocket watch which he essentially got from that kid and the filmmaking is amazing the editing is amazing but what also struck me about it is the coldness Mm -hmm. of the brian slade character Mm -hmm. there's something cold about him so he meets tony collette who is, she runs this cabaret club. totally gets it. Who totally gets him. She sees a lot of potential in him and, you know, she sort of becomes like his right-hand woman slash lover slash they they eventually get married. We'll get to them in a a little bit. But, so basically, um, 
Brian Slade, no one likes him at this music festival. They don't get it. And then he sees Kurt Wilde come on stage. And Ewan McGregor walks out on stage in fucking leather pants, shirtless. He's the Iggy Pop character. He's covering TVI. And um, his band is called The Rats, uh-huh. which I loved. <laughs> and he pours oil all over himself rubs it all over his chest in his like low slung pants and then shakes glitter mm-hmm. all over himself yeah okay so you mcgregor does a fucking amazing he's cover. so like he is he's so good so in good he starts to like take he's like teasing the audience by like unzipping his pants and then he turns around and like shows the audience his ass and then he turns around and shows the audience his dick okay you mcgregor it's kind of, that's nice yeah. I mean, be nice. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, flopping around. He's like, it's flopping. not as, like... He's dancing with them. Oh, yeah. And, it, I mean, it's not as, like, crazy as Michael I was like, Fassman I bet you was... he had so much fun I bet he that. did, too. You can tell like, he Like, that has to be fun. freeing to just let your dick out and, yeah. like, have it not be hard and just, like, dancing with it. Yeah. And then yeah. eventually he pulls his pants up. And then my favorite part is actually when, after there's the break in the song, he like puts lighter fluid all over the stage mm-hmm. and they set a guitar on fire. And then he just lights like the whole front of the stage is like just catches on yeah, fire. And like, he's just like going balls to the wall, just like Iggy. Yeah. You it's know, like, this is a fucking force to be reckoned with. Yes. This has never been done before. This is like pure like art in its highest form because it's expression it's it's not asking for permission. It's unapologetic. It's raw. It's real. It's rock and roll. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> and Brian looks looks at him after he just bombed a show. And like he in looks at Kurt. Love. He's well. He not only does he have a crush on him, but he's like, I want that. It's like he wants him and he wants to be him. Yeah. So anyway, Brian blows up. And he's super successful. Everything's taken off for him. And then he meets Kurt. Well, he's like, they're like, who do you want to meet out of everyone? Right. And he's like, I know who I fucking want to meet. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, before we actually get into the meeting, let's talk about uh, Mandy and Brian sexy. Okay. So this is when Brian and Mandy, a.k.a. Jonathan Reese Myers and Tony Collette meet for the first time. Brian is still like, no one knows who he is. At this time, Jack Ferry, who was kind of the first of all three of them, who never made it quite as big, mm-hmm. is the top dog. Yeah. And he meets Mandy. They kind of start dancing. Tony Collette looks beautiful Gorgeous. in this movie. Like, her body, Stunning. she looks... So fucking fantastic. I'm also just, like, have always been obsessed with, like, the 60s and 70s, like, fashion and, like, makeup and hair and, like, girls. Like, that's just been such a big part of, like, my aesthetic that I, like, love. Same. So, like, I love seeing that and I just think it's just beautiful and she looks so good. Yeah. And, ugh, she just looks beautiful. She looked great. Their sex scene was hot. Dude, their sex scene was so hot. Okay, so basically, he, like, it's like a dream sequence. He kind of, like, sings to her, and they connect, and they fall in love, and then it cuts to them, like, having sex, dude, and he is, like, fucking going downtown on her. Oh, yeah. Hardcore. Oh, yeah. And, you know, here's the thing, like, 
Tony Collette is not considered conventionally beautiful, which she's pisses so, me off. Because so, uh, who wants to be considered conventional beautiful? I don't know. I don't. Well, Hollywood is changing. Thank yeah. fucking God. But Wait, like, she's so she's beautiful, so sexy. She's oh my so God, sexy, dude, her so bod is like off the I'm charts. I'm obsessed with like her mouth. Her mouth mm-hmm. is so good. I think she's spectacular, and I think she's stunning and so sexy mm-hmm. in this and and she does a bang up job as she always does yeah. she has never been bad yeah. in anything ever and yeah their marriage was so hot i loved their marriage okay so well i'll talk like, about it i think yes her, it, girl well, i'm gonna tell you about the couple that i Wear ship. makeup and dress like matching outfits with your husband yeah they were I they were totally do they that told, i thought their chemistry was fantastic uh-huh. her and jonathan reese myers they were both so outrageous you know, like so, fun, so, so fun, so fun. That I thought their chemistry was fantastic, and yeah, uh, and I, I love this the the sex scene too. That yeah, was it was good. super, super sexy. Like, yeah, man, he was going down. It looked hot, awesome. I would not mind being her in no. that situation at all. Absolutely not. I mean, Jonathan Reese Myers is like prettier than both of us. Yeah. Um all right, well we got to talk about Kurt and Brian. Yeah. So they meet and Kurt's career is kind of on the skids. They meet for lunch and like, I don't know, dude, like you McGregor seems like strung out as fuck. He's strung out. He's just doing drugs, just getting high. Right. Right. So they partner up for like I think Brian is going to produce his next record. They partner up and they immediately have a romance and it becomes like this huge spectacle in the papers and one of the things that I I did love is they show how their romance affects pop culture like you know sort of the zeitgeist of the time and this embracing of queerness and one of my favorite things is it goes all the way to they show these two little girls playing Barbies Uh and one of the Barbies is dressed up like Kurt Uh and the other Barbie is dressed (laughs) up like Brian and it's like it's not Barbie and Ken it's like they're play acting Kurt and Brian like kissing and stuff and that also reminded me that's very Todd Haynes because one of Todd Haynes's first films was the Karen Carpenter story, which was done with Barbie dolls. Oh, interesting. Yes, yes. So it it, it all feels it's very, like very, yeah, very yeah. Todd Haynes. Yeah. So they have their little romance, and one of my other favorite scenes, the guitar scene. Okay, that's what we're going to talk about now. Okay, oh, so one of a... probably my favorite Brian Eno song. Well, that's a really tough call. Baby's on Fire so, is Baby's on Fire easily is really one of my favorite good. Brian Eno songs, and I think it has one of the best guitar solos mm-hmm. ever. Ever. I think that song is very sexy. Oh, it's so sexy. Yeah. So Kurt and Brian are doing this show together. Brian's covering Babies on Fire. Kurt walks on stage, plugs his uh, guitar into his amp, and starts jamming. And there's this part where Brian simulates fellatio on the guitar, like with the guitar strings. So they blow up in the paper. And then, of course, as these hot romances tend to do, they burn out. So years and years go by. Oh, before I move on to this, actually, I need to talk about. So during that Babies on Fire scene, it's intercut with Christian Bale's character. Oh, yeah. Reading the newspaper article and getting, oh. seeing them kissing and, like, getting them aroused. Him and by proxy, ex, you know, by, by, by proxy through them, exploring and getting to know his own sexuality and everything and he's this character is very naive very young Mm -hmm. you know he's impressionable but he knows there's something different in him Mm -hmm. than there is than all of his peers so he's looking at this 
magazine article and them kissing and he starts touching himself and then he goes into his pants and starts to masturbate and his parents walk in on him and they immediately shame him shamed kicked out of the house everything so he ends up leaving and then he hooks up with this other sort of like glam rock band that's more on like the cabaret level and kind of becomes like i don't know what he does for them is he like just a guy that comes along with them is he like a roadie he's like a He's like a fan. A fan. He's a but, stan. But he must do like some yeah. sort of help for them. Yeah, like, yeah. Maybe he gets lunch. I don't know. Yeah. But he kind of, that's his new home. Yeah. So this is my favorite couple in the movie and the one that really moved me and I think was actually way hotter than Kurt and Brian. Oh, them? So Christian Bale meets Kurt yeah. Kurt sees him at a show and he's kind of like, you know, uh, Christian Bale's character is kind of like glammed up like Brian's like, of mm-hmm. course, like Christian Bale is looking at him with like puppy eyes, mm-hmm. you know, and they have an affair. I mean, like, I honestly would describe it as making love because mm-hmm. Kurt inducts him so tenderly they're like on a roof they're like hanging out the maxwell demon flying saucer yeah flies over them and it's like more like this dreaminess and like drops glitter all of it and then the camera pans back and we see them like making love on the roof yeah and i just think like kurt was so sweet to him and mm-hmm. but so if we're just you know, talk about sort of the conclusion of the movie. The The whole thing that's been in the background of this is there's this guy named Tommy Stone. He's like the new hot thing now. And mm-hmm. sort of what we're getting, you know, the impression that we're getting is that like kind of Brian reinvented himself like as it, this Tommy Stone guy, like got a bunch of face like surgery. Him. Yeah. That's him just like yes. revamped. And it's never completely proven, but it's likely. Yeah, yeah. So... That sort of brings me to, you know, and I was thinking really, like, trying to, like, I was thinking really hard, because there's so much happening in this movie. It is a frenzy. It's like a, a glitter exploded. Yeah. You know, and I I think there is some theme about the dichotomy between what glam rock did is, like, embracing queerness, embracing sexual freedom, embracing who you are, yeah. being different and like that being okay and not just being okay but it's something worth celebrating it's fabulous it's something that's going to inspire people it's something that's going to change the fucking world exactly also where is the line when that becomes inauthentic where is the line because think about brian you know like kurt is kind of like a raw nerve he's very sincere Mm -hmm. christian bale's character is really sincere brian is icy Mm -hmm. he's icy and he's the one who kind of runs away and quote unquote disappears and then potentially reinvents himself as this other person like he never it there's like a it's almost like there's a difference between a mask mm-hmm. and glamming up in a way that's empowering you yeah. as opposed to hiding you exactly i i just i just really like this movie too because I, th- I think it speaks very positively for anyone who like likes like artists that can like artists that can transform yes uh, society and roles and gender like Bowie did mm-hmm. in a very specific time period in like the 70s and the 60s and so I think it's like really inspiring for anyone who wants to like be creative and like are scared or and any like, kid who felt wanna, different like, come you know? out and like just be and just like it doesn't even matter just like be who you are yeah. be authentic to yourself 
follow what like feeds you. And I also think this movie is also about being like sort of to your point about being a fan, Mm -hmm. about being a fan of someone whose life, like who changes your, whose work changes your life fundamentally. Yeah. Who shapes you as a person. Yeah. And I, I wonder like, was that Bowie for Todd Haynes? Yeah. You know, and this is his homage to yeah. not only Bowie, but also to that feeling, mm-hmm. to that story. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts about this incredible, incredible landmark movie? I don't know. I just think if you're wanting to, like, get inspired by all the things... This is it. This is the way to go. You're going to have such a good time. Mm -hmm. Like, this movie is a great time. It's so much fun. All right, so I have a question for you to conclude this episode. Okay. Which of these men would you like to be the two pieces of bread in the you sandwich? So you get to pick two guys between Ewan McGregor, Christian Bale, Jonathan Rhys Myers, Michael Fassbender, and Richard Gere. Oh, this is really weird. Um, <laughs> Why is it weird? I don't know. This is like a daily question I ask But no, you. like I would do like Michael. No, not the question isn't weird. It's just like me picking it's tough. who I want It's tough. To it's quite a lineup. Who I want to have a threesome with. So Michael Fassbender for sure because I just, he looks like he knows how to fuck. Sure does. And then so does Kurt. I would just be too, I would be the feminine in the two masks. Um, I thought really hard about this. I would pick Ewan McGregor and Christian Bale. Oh. As those characters. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. And we will see you in October. Uh-oh. In which we have some delightful little freaky deekies Yeah, let's get freaky, baby. All right. Thank you for listening to Sex in the Cinema. You can find us on Instagram at Sex in the Cinema Pod. And also, feel free to reach out to us on email at sexinthecinemapod at gmail.com. Um, at some point, we're going to get our shit together to make a TikTok. Uh, Maggie will be handling that. And uh, thanks for listening and see you next time. Bye.